It's time for answering the ten count. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. Thank you, fuck you, bye, boom, ding, fucking ding. To the Grapple Talk podcast, we've been away, much like the UFC. We took a little break, but we are back in our usual irregular schedule. I am your host, Calm Leslie. With me, as always, from Vice Fightland, Canadian regional newspapers, and all good <laughs> smut outlets near you, Sean Smith. Wow, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a compliment, but I'm not sure that it was. You're uh, you're not quite the smut peddler you could be, frankly. <laughs> Again, I'll take that as a compliment. I guess that comes from working for the UFC Company magazine. So I yeah. don't work for the UFC Company magazine. You work. You work. For, you basically do. You work for the the in-house magazine website. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Fightland, everyone. Your best source of unbiased UFC coverage. Produced and paid for by the UFC. Anyway, Sean, how are you? I'm well. Good. Uh, glad to be back. It's been a while. My fault again, as it always is. M- most times is. Yeah, yeah. Always. I don't do anything. I don't have a job. So, you know, it's all your fault for having a job. I'm sorry that I have a job. You should be. It's it, It's all my fault. I'm terribly sorry. I'll uh I'll tell my wife that I need to quit so that I can do yeah the podcast get a, get every a divorce week. yeah move her out mm-hmm. and then we'll be so, then we'll be fine yeah so my first question Sean obviously we had an event this past weekend and we have more events coming up in two weeks time but we did have that three week break of no cards from October the fourth to October the twenty fifth what did you do with your time I did real life things uh. I don't know. We just went outdoors and did what, what nor- normal humans do. Yeah, it's crazy. Outdoors? Yes. Um, see, this is the thing. And we, we talked about this a little bit off the air is that I don't understand why they have these this three-week break and then we'll have a doubleheader. Like, how does that make any sense? Why wouldn't we rather have an event, you know, somewhere in the middle there? And then have the November 8th event. I, I do not like the doubleheaders. I've never liked them. I don't like when Cage Warriors does them. I, I just think it's a bad idea. And it's asking a lot of the fans. To be fair, this com- the one coming up on November 8th isn't a doubleheader. It's two days and it's two nights back to back because of the time difference. Because it's Australia and Brazil. So I believe it's just a Friday night and the Saturday night. But you know, I do take I do take the point that obviously we could be... You know, they could well be a back-to-back, and we've seen that with other cards, particularly the European cards, being held back-to-back. With some of the, like, we had the, the Sweden and the Canada cards, for example. Mm-hmm. Did but anyone watch those, by the way? Um, Somebody must have. I What I don't understand is how it's beneficial to the UFC. Um, You know, they're doing this one, which is the Friday and Saturday night, but the one you mentioned, the Sweden-Canada, was... I mean, you're asking people to watch from essentially noon till after midnight if you're in uh my time zone 
the, if, it if didn't help that the, the, the Canada card went really late as well. No, it went till till after one a.m. here. Like it was super late. Um, I'm looking at the UFC schedule now. They've done something similar with December twelfth, December thirteenth. They've got uh, the Ultimate Fighter twenty finale, and then they've got Dos Santos versus Miocic the next night, and then. February 28th, it looks like they're going to have an event at the O2 and an event at the I think that will move because that was announced uh, last March when they were last in London. They did, they said straight away, we're coming back here November, February 28th. I suspect you're right, especially when we consider that the, they have a show January 31st, which is Silva versus Diaz, and then nothing until the 28th. Um, that That's too long even for the UFC, so... I suspect we'll get something in between there. Yes, I uh, I I would assume so, but yeah, I'm not sure the London card will still be on February 28th. I wouldn't be surprised if that probably moves to a week later, maybe even two weeks later into March, because that is a little bit earlier than they've done these cards in the past anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been late February, mid March, so they could easily move that. But yeah, they are building up these double headers. Um, like, what do you think? Like, what? What is the advantage for the UFC of this? Because I think, I think it's asking a lot of the fans. It is. It, it absolutely is. And I think it kind of reinforces this, well, these cards aren't for you thing. Yeah. Like, we're not supposed to watch the Sweden card over here in Canada. And you guys aren't supposed to watch the card in Canada. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like this is a sport where the fans are so hardcore is a terrible word, but they just want to see everything. So why wouldn't you accommodate that? There are 14 events this year on the UFC schedule, which will take place within 24 hours, either before or after. In fact, no, it's more than that. It's 16 events that will take place 24 hours before or after another UFC event. Yeah. I, uh, I don't like it. We're at 38, 40 42 44 46 probably 46 events for this year remember when they told us they were going to do 50 and we were like oh (laughs) holy shit yeah they're gonna do 46 well next year will be 50 i bet and 46 it would be 47 if the year-end show hadn't been moved to january 3rd right so if that if that year-end show had fallen better for them to do it this year it would have been 47 which is as near as makes no difference to 50 yeah yeah, that's that's their their fifty shows essentially is right there. And when they do, if they're going to do fifty shows, why are they taking three week breaks? Exactly, fifty shows is essentially a show a week. So why not keep a schedule somewhat similar to that? You know, whether it's a, a midweek show, which I'm actually a fan of, is the midweek shows, or the Friday night or the Saturday night. Like try and keep it to to essentially one week. I mean. I don't. I don't understand the long breaks. Is it just the way the schedule falls? Is it a planned thing to give Dana White and crew a break? I, I don't know. It is odd. It does feel like maybe it's just a uh, okay. Everyone take your annual leave right now. Yeah, and I think I don't think that's far from the truth. I mean, I think they did a similar break earlier in the year. Although when I was looking through the schedule, I couldn't find one that was three weeks without a show, but. I believe you are right. I I I I have that feeling that you're that you're correct. I mean, they've I say, got... you know, you're right. It's it was March twenty third to April eleven. Right. So that's two and a half weeks. So so it feels like like this was kind of 
the plan is to have these breaks, which isn't the worst idea. It kind of gives fans a chance to recoup. I mean, I think I was more excited for Aldo Mendez because we hadn't had a show in three weeks than I would have been had we been blasted with a show, a show either the night before or the week before. Does, Does, that make ha- sense? Does having a, a fight pass or a, a fight a, a, a Fox Sports Two card really make that much of a difference? How excited you get about pay per view? For you and I, I think it does. I mean, maybe not for or for me, it does. Anyways, I I don't know. I just feel so overwhelmed a lot of the time. There's so many cards like that. I just can't even keep track of what's on what card. Like if I go back to like UFC, you know, 55 or those those mid like one shortly after Zufa bought it, I can almost name every fight on the card most of the time. And now it's just like everything is so convoluted and just so, I don't know. And maybe that's what they're going for. It's more like like the boxing model, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and, and you, we talk about going to weekly fights, and that's something that obviously Bellator tried during these seasons, that they would do weeklies and then have off-seasons. Um, maybe the UFC wouldn't have an off-season and they just run every week. Um but certainly, it worked for Bellator for long enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really love the idea of seasons, per se, but I don't know. I, I think if they just went one show a week, like everyone could get ready for the show, watch the show, and then you've got a week to like prepare for the next show sort of thing. Having these shows so... These back-to-back ones make it really confusing, I think, especially for those mainstream fans who, who kind of just like the sport, but not really. Indeed. It certainly is. Uh, I think tiring for the fans is right. And I think you pointed that out that, you know, how are, fi- how are fans supposed to care about all of these fights? You know, at the moment there's, they're doing a lot to build up Rockhold versus Bisping, for example, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, that's a decent fight in the middleweight division. It's a, it's a good opportunity for Luke Rockhold to take a step up and become one of the top fighters in the the middleweight division. You look at those cards we had on October 4th, and Rory McDonald, Tarek Safadine was a super important fight in the welterweight division. Mm. And then, you know, that same day, you had Rick Story and Gunnar Nelson. Well, that's, you know, a big test for Gunnar Nelson, and he ends up losing to Rick Story, who now is kind of the big scalper of the welterweight division. He's the only guy that's beaten Johnny Hendricks. And then you look at uh, November 8th, uh, the other card on that day, and you go, well, you've got... It was going to be Shogun and Jimmy Manoa, which was a big test for Jimmy Manoa to see if he could be a big... And how does a fan keep track of all these storylines in their head? And that's just the fight nights. I mean, I think it goes back to maybe we're not supposed to. I mean, if a card's in Brazil, maybe you in Europe and me in North America aren't really supposed to care about it but, as much. But this, I mean, is, is, where, that... this is where it falls down, because there's, I, I accept that to an extent. But mm. if you look at... And, and you look at previous cards that they've had in Australia, I mean, did they not do one earlier? Was it, was it last year that was the last time they went, or have they done one this year? I believe they've done one. Uh, they were in New Zealand for the Marquardt card. New Zealand, that's and I right. believe that the Mark Hunt's Antonio Silva was. Late. Yeah, so that that was the end of last year. But yeah, they've been, they've been to New Zealand this year for the Marquardt Tahuna card. Yeah, okay, that was a terrible card. It was just a card for the New Zealand market, and it was nothing particularly we had to pay attention to. But mm-hmm. then this Australia card, you kind of got to pay attention to Luke Rockhold versus Mike Bisping. But maybe maybe now, because we have Fightland, 
Fight Pass. Fight Pass. Sorry. God. Uh, so message. Only, uh, we're only supposed to pay attention to the main event. Or, you know, but then then again, the the co-main event is Ross Pearson versus Ally Quinta. That's not necessarily for the local market either. I mean, those aren't Australian fighters. That is for the local market in that Ross Pearson's wife is an Australian model. I didn't know that. Yeah. She was a ring girl. She's one of the UFC's Australian ring girls. Oh, wow. Yeah. They met... I believe they met when she was uh, working as a ring girl on the Tough Smashes series. Really? I, didn't, I had no idea. They may have I met mean, I guess that. that's what it is, is that Ross Pearson was on Tough Smashes, so maybe Australian fans know who he is. Yeah. Still... Not convinced. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what we have to take from this from now on, is that if it's a fight night and it's in Macau or wherever, it's not meant for us, so either enjoy it for what it is or just leave it alone, I guess. I guess. I just, I'm, I'm not sure about these fight night cards having such important fights that aren't of relevance to the local market like Rockhold and Bisping. Yeah. Because that is a big fight for Luke Rockhold, and who's the other Alex Gustafson versus Jimmy Manoa uh, which was supposed to be Gustafson versus Little Nog and I get that Gustafson in Europe is a big thing and having him in London uh, drew a lot of Swedish fans to come over to London was very good for the business there but again that was a that was a fight where if he won he got a title shot yeah that shouldn't I mean, have been on fight pass that shouldn't have been on fight pass where those shows are not for us well they were for me but they weren't for you <laughs> No. Our American fans, we were then expected to fly to Las Vegas and watch the pay-per-view. I, I still, I, I think, I don't know. That's the only way I can look at it is that it's just, it simply was not meant for us. But at least we have the option to watch it because of Fight Pass. Are there any shows that you're starting to skip? Honestly. Um, I have not watched the Nelson Story card yet. I, w- I watched that because it was on a decent time of the day. I haven't watched the McDonald's Safferdine card yet. Okay, see, I watched that one because it was a Saturday night and I was home. And this goes, like, this is kind of what we were saying. Like, Are you going to watch Shogun versus St. Prue? I will not probably watch it live. Well, maybe I will. I mean, it's it'll be a Saturday night here. Yeah, it's not on Fight Pass, though. It's not on Fight Pass? No, it's a, I believe it's Fox Wars 1 card, isn't it? Uh, it'll still be on Fight Pass for me in Canada. It wouldn't be in the US. Every card in Canada is on Fight Pass except for the pay-per-views. Really? Yep. That is a thing that I did not know. Absolutely. So we get every card that's not a pay-per-view. If it's not a pay-per-view main card, we get it on Fight Pass. You start getting on. Is it is this part of the sports? Uh, and this is getting to a different conversation. Is this part of the ongoing TV rights issue that I keep hearing about? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's been this way the whole time. What's happening with TV rights in Canada? Fill us in. Um. So so Sportsnet was the longtime UFC outlet here in Canada. They they really built a brand around around it. Um. I don't know if you know Showdown Joe. He's, yeah, he's, I do. He's he's famous here because he has UFC Central. Uh, he's really been championing the sport here. Um, and then things in the last, I'm going to say six months or so, have have gone sour. And part of it is that Sportsnet and Rogers, their, their parent company, has signed a monster deal with the NHL, uh, National Hockey League. And that will take precedence over anything the UFC does. So, so if there's a UFC event on at the same time as a hockey game, they're probably going to focus on the hockey game. So 
I can kind of see why the UFC has soured on this deal. And I don't know. It, it feels like without saying it, things have gone very poorly. And, and a lot of people believe, and this is just hearsay, that the UFC took away the Toronto show in September, which was scheduled to be Jones versus yeah. Gustafson, uh, because of this. They think that they were trying to punish the Canadian market or Sportsnet or whatever. And they also didn't run the Montreal show which I think was scheduled for November, which is now likely to take place in March, if it still does. Yeah. And, I mean, Sportsnet didn't have... I remember that press conference. Do you remember that? The big Canadian press conference. Yeah, this was going to be the year that they they took over the Canadian market and, you know, had however many shows, six shows or five shows or whatever it was. Um, What's interesting is that Sportsnet sent Showdown Joe to the Battleground eight-man tournament Instead of the Halifax show, so I mean, it was a clearly well, was, he, was he not a working was for them though? Was he not working for Battlegrounds rather than Sportsnet? Was he? I didn't know. I don't know because he was doing interviews on the pay per view. Okay, but but still, Sportsnet. He wasn't already committed to, to going to the Halifax show. Yeah, yeah, they allowed that to take place for one, and for two, they didn't send somebody in his place. So. I mean, they still aired it on the Sportsnet broadcast because I, I assume that's part of their agreement. But they didn't have the same kind of coverage that you often see, especially with Canadian shows. Sportsnet goes all in on UFC Canadian shows before this. And it, it clearly had a different feel this time around. I mean, things are changing. Interesting. Interesting. So how do you think this plays out for, for the UFC in Canada next year? I think that the UFC Sportsnet deal is going to be gone. I think that's done. Um, And either TSN or the Fight Network will pick it up. I'm not sure if the Fight Network will be able to afford it. It may be even a package deal where Fight Network does some of it and TSN does some of it or something like that. Um, But I I suspect they also canceled UFC Central. So Showdown Joe's show was canceled, I think, the beginning of October. Um so I suspect that TSN will finally finally go into the the MMA market, something they've been very hesitant to do in the past because of their older viewership. But but I suspect TSN will, will get in on this and maybe the Fight Network as well. Interesting. That'll be interesting for the Fight Network because they can have a, a shoestring network in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is interesting. I mean... Fight Network has been amazing. If you're a fight fan in Canada, it's definitely worth having. Do you have a version of it over there? We don't. I wish I did. Um, I wish. I really wish I did because I watch all the content I can on YouTube. Um, but I, w- you know, they do have a an over the top service which I believe is available in the US. Okay. But not here. I think it's available yeah, on like We don't Roku. have that either. Um. Yeah, I think what? it's it's available on Roku, and uh, so how does that? Do you know how that works? It is uh, live con. It's live content and some on-demand content. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, so what the Fight Network is, if you if and you it's don't it's know. two dollars ninety nine a month for the for the Roku channel. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look into that. Um, but what the Fight Network is, if you don't know, is it's essentially a twenty four hour fight service i mean they show 
judo championships from around the world. There's Muay Thai. They show the Cage Warriors events live on their their broadcast. Uh, lots of archival boxing, MMA, uh, kickboxing, Muay Thai, like all kinds of stuff on there all the time. And and they've done a good job of of having that mix of archival footage that people want to see and having live events like Cage Warriors that I mentioned. So if they could get the UFC on board, that would be a huge coup for them, I think. Definitely. It would be crazy for them. Um, and yeah. they, have, they have some really, some of the best analysts as well work at the, the Fight Network. Robin Black, if you're not following his breakdowns of things on the YouTube, on the Fight Network YouTube channel, certainly make mm-hmm. sure you are. John Pollock works there. John Ramdean, those guys uh, are some of they the best a- analysts that are around. Yeah, and they have a good uh, pro wrestling coverage too. So Yeah, they do. Uh, well, let's move on from the schedule a little bit. We started delving into into Canada a little bit, and let's talk a little bit about Canada and Canadian MMA, particularly one particular Canadian MMA fighter, uh, Michael Imperato. Uh, I wrote about this on MMASucker.com this week. Michael Imperato was signed to fight Aljamain Sterling on that Australia card uh, at short notice. However, he found himself cut from the organization just 24 hours after he signed um due to some comments he made on the fight exchange program mm-hmm. uh video of which was available online has it now is, been taken it, down it is no longer available online um but various examples of it and various articles about it and videos mentioning it are available still um basically he was on a reality show called the fight exchange which sounds like a bizarre concept on a weird obscure tv channel in canada where they where different gyms or different countries like fighters went from a country to a different country to train at a gym. Basically, these guys from Canada went down to Novi and Al. Um, and at one point, Michael Imperato got in a disagreement with uh, Nate Stark, who happens to be a black man, and a bla- I don't know what I was saying there. I was I, <laughs> a bla- he is uh, he is. He is an a African Canadian. An African Canadian is that a thing? I don't know. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's just we always think of African American, but I mean, if you're African and you live in Canada, sure, let's go with that. So, an African Canadian, uh, Michael Imperato used the N slur uh, to refer to Nate Stark. He also used the F homophobic slur to refer to him as well. Um, I'm not going to use those. I'm not going to sully the good name of our podcast by repeating okay, uh, such slurs. The part you didn't mention and the part that I think is most important is the the, the death threat. Yeah, that's true. He did threaten to kill him. And I think uh, from an MMA and a combat sports perspective, that, that might be even the most important part of it. This is also true. He then allowed it to be broadcast on the TV show, which I think is also interesting yeah i i mean i don't know a lot about how television works i don't know how much say he would have i mean once it's been filmed my thinking is i mean he did he said these things to camera as well yes it wasn't yes. as if he was you know saying it to someone else and no, he's like i think he sat down and said this to a camera yeah so he, he, he allowed it to be brought to be filmed for broadcast. He wasn't it didn't happen to be filmed in a moment of uh perhaps being a moment of indiscretion. Would this that was, have made a difference? Would you be more sympathetic if this was No, I would a, a wild outburst as opposed to, to sitting down with a camera? I would be I, I wouldn't be any more sympathetic, but it would change it in that it was uh it would be more clear. I guess actually it makes me it would make me less sympathetic. 
Okay. Um, frankly, because if he was racist and homophobic in what he thought was private and then much more well-behaved in public, it would show that he knew that that behavior was unacceptable and therefore didn't want to broadcast that behavior publicly. The fact that, I, that he was happy to sit down in front of a camera and use the F slur and the N slur to talk to somebody and threaten to kill them frankly mm. tells us quite a lot about Michael Imperato's, um, shall we say, intelligence? It's interesting. This this whole thing is interesting because what happened is that Imperato was signed by the UFC Friday or Saturday. Uh, Sunday, a, a social media outcry essentially took place over Twitter. People were saying that he shouldn't have been signed, shouldn't be allowed to be signed. They shouldn't be signing racists. Uh, people, and then he was released, or the UFC rescinded their offer. I don't know if he had responded yet. Um, he, he had signed the contract. Okay, so so essentially he was signed and released within a day. Um, what's interesting to me is that a it's hypocritical of the UFC to do this because plenty of other fighters. Well, well yeah, we'll get into that angle in a okay. minute. Okay. Let's start talking about this case specifically in the moment, and then we'll talk about the the wider context. Okay. So well, then you, yeah. So the, the 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 crazy thing about this is this is not the. I mean, so this is not the first time it's happened this year. And talk about the timeline of it before we talk about the organizational stance. Uh, so earlier this year, we had Will Chope, who right. it came to light after his first fight in the UFC and, and just before his second fight uh, that he had uh, been chucked out of the army for, and sanction and given a punishment in court martial for a uh, domestic abuse incident. Um, he was cut because of that, and at that point, I'm trying to think. So yeah, so the the timeline of this is that Benjamin Brissa came first. So last year, um, the UFC cut a German fighter called Benjamin Brissa for alleged links to neo-Nazi groups. Um, at that point, Dana White was quite open in saying that we don't have extensive background checks on our fighters. So, you know, we, we sign guys, and when this stuff comes to light, we act straight away. You know what? F- kind of okay. I, can, I, I don't think it's... I think really? Sh- I th- no, 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 no. Okay, okay. So I think they should have background checks. But I think if you're going to say, do you know what? We don't background check people. and But when stuff comes to light, we do cut them straight away. That's, you know, that if that's the stance you're taking then okay and as long as when stuff does come to light you act straight away that is not the case however well yeah because that's not the case they don't act straight away it depends exactly who the person is yeah but then so will so will chope happened uh in january and then in may the ufc sent out forms to all current and new signings asking for more detailed disclosure and release of documents for the purposes of doing background checks. So oh, they started doing background checks in May. Yeah, so there's um, a link to it in my story. There was a story in MMA Junkie that uh, a questionnaire was circulated to managers asking UFC contractees to release personal information for background checks, uh, detailing their medical history, educational or criminal backgrounds. They were asked to waive doctor-patient confidentiality. Um yeah so they're they're asked to release documents and information which would allow the ufc to do some sort of background check so okay fine so they started doing background checks they've realized that you know maybe they do need to avoid these things before they happen then michael imperato happens and my first thought 
when I found out about this and when I saw this information come to light was how easy was it to find this information by myself? If you Google Mike, Googled Michael Imperato before all of this blew up uh, earlier this week, mm-hmm. on the first page of Google results is a video of Nate Stark, the, the guy who was verbally assaulted by Imperato, uh, calling him out for his comments on the show and saying, you know, it's been, you know, I've just seen the show. You said this, you said this, come down and fight me. If you then go to YouTube and search for it, the video of him making the comments from the show, as well as the video for the Nate Stark video, are the third and fourth results. So right. it's but not exactly is, hard. The problem with the the form that they sent out in in May is that if you if you go just from that form on on Imperato, you're not going to have a problem. He wasn't charged. No, but I guess uh, the the idea would be in the idea of of background checks. And if you think, if I'm thinking from my from another aspect of it, from another angle, uh, from a, a political angle. So in a, in my in a in another life, mm-hmm. I, I stood for parliament here, and in becoming an approved candidate for our party, there was a section on the application which said. Is there anything you have done in your past which could potentially embarrass the party? And it wasn't the, if you fill this in, we will not select you. It was merely a disclosure. And if you don't disclose this, it will harm you later on if something comes up. So if the UFC even knew about these things, and then when it came to light publicly was able to say, we knew about this, we've spoken to him about this, we we made sure from him that we he understood what was wrong he has undergone he went to some sensitivity training you know something like that where the ufc was just able to give itself a better chance to get out in front of stories like this yeah rather than being on the back foot because it just seems like shit pr if nothing else yeah um i mean the problem partially that i think people have had is that Imperato's apology letter, which I'm sure you read, <laughs> didn't feel sincere. Can uh, I quote my favorite bit? Yeah, absolutely. Let me recite it to you. This is the section I used on the on my story because it's my favorite. Um, I've, I've used racist words when I was mad. Not to be racist, but just to make people mad in an argument. I never realized how stupid I sounded. Another bit he says, I, The world is changing fast and can be pretty crazy. Laws are being changed, and some people agree and others don't. I don't know how he shoehorned gay marriage into this, but he really did. No, you completely missed my favorite part. Oh, what's your favorite bit? Oh, I love how Oh, is it says... the movie's bit? Oh, yeah, I love the movie's bit. And I love how uh, there's a part right near the beginning, I'm just loading it up now, where he says, um, Growing up in Canada in these last couple of decades really has not taught me, and I'm sure a lot of others as well, about racism. He, yeah, in the so last in, in, year... In an interview, he claimed that he had never he been told about know, racism. He did not know what racism was. But, but, here's the best part. In the last year, some great movies have come out that really opened my eyes to this, such as 42, The Butler, 12 Years a Slave, and Mandela. So he needed uh, fairly shitty Hollywood movies... To, to learn what racism was. And I actually, I don't think Imperato's a bad guy. I think he, he did something bad. And I think this apology is is terrible. But I, I, I mean, without getting too much into the bigger picture of it, like, I don't know. Like, should social media have this kind of impact on someone? Should, I mean, 
in the sense that so many other fighters get away with this stuff all the time. So yeah, so this is this is the wider context, and this is what is really worth talking about because the UFC has taken a zero tolerance approach to what Michael Imperato did, even though it was uh, earned nearly two years ago. He has apologized now twice. Mm-hmm. Whether you think it's a good apology or not, he has issued an apology. He he clearly acknowledges that his behavior is worthy of an apology or has been made to understand his behavior is worthy of an apology. I'm not saying I accept his apology. I'm not saying I think he's a decent person or I think the UFC should sign him. But the fact is that's where he is. He made some comments. He made he issued an apology. He's now issued a second apology. But then you've got guys in the UFC who, when these things come to light, are not cut. Uh, right. Let's think of some off the top of our head, shall we? Abel Trujillo. <laughs> Yeah. Domestic violence, I believe. Yes, that sounds uh, right. Jeremy Stevens was was bailed out by the UFC. Yeah. In that order... was insane. Yeah, when, when was that? That was He was supposed to headline a card, was he not? Was that the Lozon Stevens fight night? That's that sounds right. Jeremy Stevens jail. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was, he was in jail in 2012. Um, he is for assaulting someone. Um, he was, yeah, he was, he was in jail for 12 days. I say Abel Trujillo has a history of domestic violence. Uh, Jimmy Manoa has a history of violent crime. Um, mm-hmm. I believe, I don't want to say anything that gets me sued or anything like that, but I believe uh, a firearm was involved in what Jimmy Manoa was convicted of or charged with. Um, Alex Gustafson has intimated he has a criminal past. I believe some of that has come to light, but but not all of it in any way. Hmm. So here's the interesting part. So there's four, the- there's four guys who have criminal histories of violent crime or assault or firearms. Right. And they're still with the organization. Here's the part that's a challenge, though, is that for what Imperato did, he can't or hasn't been charged. So because he hasn't, quote unquote, paid his debt to society or can't really pay his debt to society in a, a, a meaningful way like prison, does that make it more challenging? Yeah. I mean, and if you kind assault of, that's someone, kind of, yeah. you can go to jail for, for however long and then it's, quote unquote, paid your debt to society. But here there's... How do you pay your debt to society? How do you ever get people back on your side or or to forgive you or whatever? I mean, if we think of like the NFL, Michael Vick went to jail for mm. for two years because of his dogfighting ring, and now he's back and people seem to have forgotten about it. But can that ever be achieved by someone like Imperato? It's it is you're you're right, and I think that is an interesting way of looking at it, but it is absolutely right that so you take these two guys who before they were signed, you know, Michael Imperato hasn't fought for the UFC yet. He's a prospect. He has made some racist comments and apologized for them, but that makes him unworthy of being signed for the UFC. Like, can uh, he never be signed now? Is that just the way it is? You, Jimmy Manoa went to prison and he, as you say, served his debt, but he did something which was far worse than making some racist comments to a camera. Yeah. And now he's a UFC headliner. And I believe the same is probably true of Alex Gustafson. I, did he go to jail? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't he certainly know got, was in some criminal trouble. Um, you know, uh, Jimmy Mano uh, 
had a, a number of burglaries. In fact, I'm just I found it. I found an interview with Jimmy Manoa. So if he said it, I can say it. Um, he would burgle. For, he burgled from commercial properties. He was imprisoned in 2002 for conspiracy to burgle. Um, I believe. I, I believe I've read somewhere else that there was a firearm found in his house and as part of that conspiracy. Um, he also admits to having actually committed burglary and was only imprisoned for conspiracy to burgle. So. Has has he served his debt to society? I don't know. I mean, this is the thing: is that it's so arbitrary. Who's the person that can? Yeah, who's the person that can judge what is considered a paid debt to society? I mean, what Imperato did, it's it's bad, but it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Like it sounds that sounds terrible to say that, but is this like and never can fight in the UFC ever? Is Is it that bad? And I guess you know we've seen from UFC personalities how they how they uh, equate homophobic comments with transphobic comments. But right. Ronda Rousey has, on multiple occasions, made transphobic comments about both Fallon Fox and Cyborg Cyborg Justino. Right. So, in fact, Dana White has made transphobic comments. Yeah, I mean, if, about Cyborg if this Justino. starts at the top, I mean, if you you look, Dana White has made. You think of all the things he said about Loretta Hunt. And he is, he's used the F-slur on a number of occasions. Oh, yeah. Especially that, that particular rant um, was very bad. Um, Especially and, and as no it was about Loretta Hunt, who was one of the nicest people in the sport. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know Loretta, but I've heard she's very nice. Um, she's lovely. I don't know how anyone could hate her. This is the thing, though, is that it, it kind of starts at the top. When you see your boss act like that, you go, oh okay, this is okay for me to do the same way that a child would with a parent. You know what I mean? Like, if you're if you're seven years old and you see your parents, you know, smoking and fighting and drinking and swearing and, and whatever else it is, you're going to think those actions are okay. I'd say it's, yeah. It, so, when, so let's, let's talk about Matt Mitrione, who made mm-hmm. some really offensive comments about Fallon Fox uh, and some really transphobic comments, you know, Honestly, I think I would have fired him if it were me, but the UFC didn't. They suspended him, kind of, until they wink, booked a wink, fight. Nudge, until they nudge. booked a fight for him. Right. I, I think he should have been fired. But if I'm if I'm Mamitrian and I get fired for that, and then I see Dana White in a press conference doing the Cyber Justino looks like Vanderlei Silva in a dress and heels bit, yeah. I feel really fucked over. Yeah, I mean, and this is the thing too, is that like. How do we judge? Is trans so? So what they're saying here essentially is that racism is worse than transphobic comments. And beating your wife I mean, is bad, depending on how many sending. fights you've had, depending how much money you make. Yeah, because if you're able to heal, then you can, you can still be in the UFC. We still don't know what the outcome will be of the investigation into uh, Rumble Johnson. Right, we we don't know, so we can't speculate too much. But um, I mean, it, it's very clear that the UFC has gone out of their way not to put a policy in place so that they can bend the rules when necessary. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's probably a fair comment. In um, looking at this, I think uh, I find an interesting interesting comment from uh, dana white um when the will chop situation broke he said 
we're gonna have we're going to have situations where guys have some instants. It depends how big your instant is. They're not all going to be the same. It's a case by case basis. His was pretty bad. Believe me, if there's anyone in the, on this planet into giving second chances, and we all make mistakes, we're all human beings. We will give guys second chances, but first of all, we've got sponsorship partners, television partners, and the list goes on. As tolerant <laughs> as I may be, some of our partners may not. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, take into consideration that they they re-signed Tiago Silva. Yeah, and then fired him again, but they re-signed him. Like, like I guess, I don't know. I, I guess what it comes down to is what does the law say? I mean, the law let him off, so he's fine to represent your company because that's what a fighter does every time they're in their ca- in the cage is represent your company. So you're OJ making Simpson's that choice. Coming up for parole soon. Oh, good. This is an interesting, and it's taking a slight of direction. But say OJ Simpson had gone to prison when he was much younger mm-hmm. and OJ Simpson was still in a, of an age where he could do a job for an NFL team. Right. And, you know, he's 67. So, he, you know, he went to jail for what? Uh, he went to jail in 2000. Hasn't been there that two? long, I don't think. When did he go? Has he been there that long? Wow. Oh. Uh, no, actually, yeah, it was, it was way longer than that. It was 2008. Okay. He went to prison. He's coming out. Uh, okay, so he may, he, he, he's either out on parole or maybe out very soon. I'm not entirely sure. I don't follow OJ Simpson. <laughs> but, you know, it would, it, it, he served his time. And I think you're right about that. I think there is something to that, that, you know, people who've gone to prison and served their time deserve a second chance. But someone who has done something for which which is morally wrong and causes outrage... Okay. I mean, this is the thing, right? Is that, I mean, I, I think of the the case going on in Canada right now. It's not a case, but uh, Gian Gomeshi was a, a famous talk show host on uh, the Canadian broadcasting company, the CBC, and the story came out that that three women had been so, something beaten, sexually assaulted, some something in there along those lines, and now five other women have come out. Now he hasn't been charged for that, but he was fired. So, so I, I mean, this is a case that's still very fresh. It's just happening this week. But it, it just makes you think, like, I don't know. How does anyone ever pay their debt or not pay their debt? I mean, who's to decide this kind of thing? Um, and this isn't just, like I said, this isn't just a UFC problem. Ray Rice, uh, he was fired for, for assaulting his wife. It was found on camera. Um, he was fired. But, I mean, there seems to be this... this idea that that he'll be back his career's not over so so i I just think it's it's interesting that the ufc moves so quick on imperato here i think it's sport is is such a it's it can be such a subjective thing and and you think about guys who've been sacked in sport Uh, Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with richard keys and andy gray uh are they commentators? Yeah, they were pundits and commentators on uh, uh, on Sky Sports soccer right. coverage. And right. in 2011, they both resigned after making sexist comments about a female official and clips were leaked showing them behaving in a sexist manner towards uh, female staff. I believe one of them... I believe one of them perhaps maybe pinched a bottom somewhere uh, but they certainly made 
sexist or sexually suggestive comments towards female staff. Um, but they're like, still working for for like the FIFA video games. Andy Gray is, I think. I don't think so anymore. I believe they oh, no? are, they're working okay. for an obscure sports network in Qatar. <laughs> um, believe it or not, um, now, but the both of them are together. But he, um, like the original comment he was made to resign for was somebody said, "Oh, can you believe we've got a female linesman now? Women don't know the offside rule." And Keyes said, "Of course they don't." That was that was what they were originally under fire for. Oh, really? That, that seems was... um, mild compared to a lot of exactly. what we hear. Yeah. In in every sport, these things are so subjective. And as you say, I think who is the arbiter? Is it sponsors? Is it you know if and I think that that quote from Dana White is very telling. That is it you know if a sponsor comes to him and says we need you to sack this guy or we're going to pull our money mm-hmm. because we, because we are we are a, a family friendly company you know who can't have this on our image so we need you to fire him is that what means he's gone i i i, I suspect that would be part of it <laughs> it seems I mean, like it i mean money at the end of the day every decision that the ufc and any other company makes is based on like how much is this going to hurt our image how much is this going to make us and, and like i said it's not just a ufc problem it sounds like we're picking on the ufc but I mean, every company is like this. Every sports team is like this. The Baltimore Ravens didn't let Ray Rice go until it got to the point where there's no way they could keep him. I mean, they they covered up the videotape for as long as they could until TMZ broke it. Social media went insane, and they had to release him. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we, you know, I just mentioned Andy Gray and Richard Keys. Mm-hmm. Also in soccer, Luis Suarez still has a job. Yeah, exactly. Because he makes money. Yeah, despite being convicted, being sanctioned for racist comments. So it's it's and also biting subjective. people all the and, time and, and biting people, which is a bit weird. But that's not yeah. really relevant to what we're talking about. No. Um, <laughs> let's bring bring it back around to Michael Imperato because we've talked about this for quite a while. But I think it's it's interesting to go into all these different angles. Well, let's bring it back to Michael Imperato. So as you said, you know these things come out. It, if these things come out before you're signed, it seems that that makes it very difficult for you to get signed. If it's something you're able to keep quiet until after you're signed and have a couple of fights and make money, like Jimmy Manoa, mm-hmm. you know, well, Jimmy Manoa was known about in 2011. I think he quite smartly came out, got out in front of it and did interviews where he talked about it, which is clever. That's the way to do it. Yeah, I guess. But so if you're Michael Imperato and you were signed for the UFC, you were deemed worth you were deemed UFC quality as a late replacement. Mm-hmm. Um but you were you were sacked because of some comments you made, even though you've apologized. I'm not saying I think and I you know I keep stressing the apology. I'm not saying I accept his apology or think it makes him a decent person or in any way excuses what he did. I think the apology is bullshit and doesn't excuse what he did at all. Mm-hmm. But that you know it is worthy of consideration that he has apologized. Is there a road back for Michael Imperato? Can he ever be... What can he do to get signed? Or how long does it have to be before he can get signed? This is the question, right? I mean, there's no good answer to this. I mean, is he banned for life? Is that is that what this is? Like, getting signed and then released? I mean, does it play into the fact that he was supposed to face an African-American fighter? Like, 
I, I, don't I, have, know. I, I loved Aljamain Sterling when they found it when they announced yesterday that he was definitely off the card because they couldn't find another replacement. He tweeted, "Just let me fight the racist guy. I'll teach some. <laughs> I'll smack some education into him." Was, That's yeah. amazing. Do you know what? I, I'm up for that. You know what? I, I mean, this is completely off topic too, but I love Aljamain Sterling. <laughs> yeah. This guy is hilarious. He's a good fighter. You know, he, he just seems to have it. Uh, he's going to be a star, but. I don't know. I don't know what the the answer is for Imperato. I I like to think that, considering everything else that the UFC has forgiven in the past, that he could still have a chance. And that's not to excuse what he said because it was terrible, and it was disgusting. But I don't know. Like, can we judge someone their entire life off of that? I don't know. I don't know what the answers are, and. and I mean, there are no answers, essentially. So, I mean, what do you think? Is there is, is he? Are we going to see him in the UFC cage at some point? Is it going to come down to he needs a few more wins, or I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I guess when you think about it, if this stuff came out and then the UFC kept him, it would would it endorse the behavior and make him think it was okay? And does he now know absolutely for sure that it was not okay, even if he gets signed again? You know, has this taught him a lesson? Well, I mean, that was my problem with the apologies, that it did not seem like he had learned a lesson. It seemed like he was blaming not himself by saying, growing up in Canada, uh, I was not taught about racism. That is taking the onus off yourself. Which and blaming, has to be bullshit, Blaming right? what? The country? Like, I don't understand. That has to be bullshit. You're in the Canadian it, it education system. Tell me it's not as bad as Michael Ibrado says it is. I mean, I grew up in almost an entirely white county to the point that there was like like i think it was like 97 percent like white people and like you know not to be racist towards people <laughs> like you just know and he grew up in toronto you I know mean, that the N-word one of the most multicultural okay. cities in the world yeah like it's not okay to say these things okay but yeah i think it's just it's so subjective and do I don't know. It's a, it's difficult to say, you know, let's not have anyone who's ever done a bad thing because there'd be very few fighters left. That's right. You know, uh, John Jones would be sacked. Ronda Rousey would be sacked. Um, Could you imagine? Who else? <laughs> like, if we, if we genuinely said anyone who's done anything, like, anything which is as bad or worse than Michael Imperato... In the UFC right now, we sacked. Who are we sacking? Is is drunk driving worse than? I think this? calling could using the F slur. Like, John, didn't John Jones say he was going to kill Cormier? Uh, yeah. So it. it that's I a mean, death that's, threat. That's a death threat. Dunce. John Jones is gone. Ronda so Rousey is transformed. Ronda Rousey is so gone. she's gone. Yeah. Uh, who else are we getting rid of? Abel Trujillo. Trujillo's gone. He's gone. Jeremy Stevens is gone. Yeah. Jimmy Mano was gone. Gustafson. Because doing something criminal has got to be worse than saying a few bad words. So Gustafson. Well, this is the thing. So is Gustafson's like, gone. Uh, I mean, what does is stealing worse than saying you're going to kill someone? Who's I don't know. Is it worse than stealing? Is it worse than saying you're going to kill someone? Or calling them the n-word is it worse than saying you're going to kill someone and calling them the n-word is it worse than saying you're going to kill them and saying the f-word is it worse than say, you know i mean in all honesty such an, is do they have Imperato like a scoring said, grid of is what did Imperato said things? any worse than what 
Jones Cormier did. I mean, Jones Cormier, if it wasn't staged, they attacked each other physically. And then said they're going to, or John Jones said he was going to kill Cormier, I believe. How is this worse than that? Did he say he was going to kill him, or did John jo- did he not say that if John, if Daniel Cormier tried to hit him, he would kill him? Oh, okay. I think that may Maybe have been what, what he said. said. Uh, I think Cormier may have said, I wish they'd let me next door so I could punch you in the mouth. And John Jones said, if you did that, I would kill you, or something like that. Um, but yeah, Matt Mitrione, he'd be gone. Um, I still, if if you don't believe that John Jones' Instagram was hacked, he's definitely gone. <laughs> For which one? Uh, using the F slur. Well, that's exactly what Michael Imperato did. So that's yeah. he's got to be gone. Um, Dana White, he's gone. Joe Rogan, he's gone. Yeah. Who are we left with? It's very. What we're okay, left with. So this is. I've got the. What we're left with is a lot of people Jones. who don't speak English. Therefore, we yeah. don't know what they've said. And we don't know what they've done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cormier said, I wish they'd let me next door so I could spit in your expletive spit face. Spit in your face. That's what it was. And Joan says, you know, I would absolutely kill you if you ever did something like that, right? Um, <laughs> Cormier says, you could never kill me. Joan says, oh, I bet I could. And then uh, Joan says, I will literally kill you if you spit in my face. Literally. Literally kill you. Literally kill you. Not even figuratively. Not even so metaphorically. If you do that, I'm going to kill you. I mean, this is worse than that. This is like a literal death threat. <laughs> I mean, we're being silly, and of course I'm not we don't. I would fight of course, you. we I don't I would think. Kill you if you do some silly expletive like that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're obviously not saying that John Jones should get fired for that, but we're saying there's we need an equal playing field. Like everyone needs to be held to the same standards. That's all we're asking for. Indeed. Let's talk about something else. There's a couple other things I want to get to. We're, I feel like we're going long this week to make up for being away. Uh, I haven't discussed that with Sean, but we are go- we're, we're doing it. Um, it's a thing that's happening now. I'm, I hope you don't have anything to do. Sorry. I think we've gone long already. So. Yeah, we have. I want to talk about uh, the Con- Conor McGregor. Okay. I want to talk about, because we were talking about this before we came on air, uh, but this Boston card. I don't want to talk about whether she should get a title shot and all that crap, because the answer is probably yes. I want to talk about this card they're building around Conor McGregor in Boston. So the headline fight, Conor McGregor, Dennis Seaver, which again has been talked about at length, whether or not that's a good fight or not. So we've had three other fights announced for that card now. Jorge Masvidal and Norman Park, which is a great fight. Costa Filippo and Uriah Hall, which is a very interesting fight. And the co-main event under Conor McGregor and Dennis Seaver is Benson Henderson versus Eddie Alvarez. How good is that? But how do you feel if you're those two guys and you're under Conor McGregor and Dennis Seaver? Mm, yeah, that's a, a valid point. I suspect that Alvarez has some kind of pay-per-view bonus in his contract, as was originally expected when he was first offered a contract. So they're probably going to put him on a lot of fight nights. But, um, I mean, it's very clear, and we've talked about this. I know you've written about this, that Conor McGregor is receiving special treatment. Um, and we, I think we've both agreed that that's not the worst thing. I mean, you need to build stars. Conor McGregor seems to have all the tools necessary to become huge in this sport. So, so why wouldn't you, you milk that? Why wouldn't you, uh, protect that for as much as you can? Yeah. I mean, that's, as you say, I wrote about this at the start of this month, 
um because dana white was defending himself saying oh we don't give conor mcgregor special treatment and <laughs> of course he does but is yeah. that is that a bad thing and and should they not give special treatment to a guy that they're trying to build as a superstar and giving him a main event where maybe benson henderson eddie alvarez is more deserving of a main event five but are they not fight? both coming off losses uh yes in fact they're all coming off losses all four of them mcgregor's not, not. Uh, no, yeah, sorry, yeah, McGregor's not coming off a loss, but Seaver... No, in fact, Seaver beat Charles Rosa. Right. So they're both coming off wins, and Henderson and Alvarez are coming off losses. So yeah, yeah sure, so... if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd rather see Benson Henderson versus Eddie Alvarez over five rounds than McGregor versus Seaver. That's fair. And uh, Henderson Alvarez is more likely to go the distance than McGregor Seaver. I mean, this goes back to what I've said all along, is that any fight between top ten fighters should be five rounds. If you were a So long, though. I... I'm... <sighs> But, I mean, I would rather see that than, like, I don't know. I'd rather see three competitive top ten fights than five mediocre fights between bottom-rung talent. Yeah, I would I as know, well. That's, but yeah. that's not what's going to happen because they've got no. too many fighters. So if you even if they did that, they'd still have 11 or 12 fights on a card. Mm-hmm. And it'd be long as hell. Uh but back to this this Boston card is fantastic. I'm seriously considering trying to get down there for this. Um, I suspect they're just going to keep building it up, and then they can, you know, when it does a good number because it's stacked from bottom to top, you can say, "Oh, Connor drew this number." That's true, and we know that Benson Anderson does have a certain amount of drawing power. Yeah, from, absolutely. From I mean, a, a certain amount. I mean, he's not a star. He was never a star, even when they had him in that pay-per-view headlining spot. He wasn't a star by any means. But he's a good TV he headliner. Has like a, exactly. He is a good Fox headliner, uh, in this case, co-headliner. But, I mean, this, this is going to be a lot of fun. Definitely. And I, as you say, I think it's interesting to see them building this card around Conor McGregor to give him a good number and a good... You know, a good performance against Seaver on a card that performs well in front of a hot crowd in Boston will springboard him into a title shot very well indeed. Yeah, Boston has a, a huge Irish population. I mean, they're going to go nuts for McGregor. They went and... crazy from the last time, and that was before he was next in line for a title shot. And that was on a prelim, I yep. believe. That was, I the, mean, they're gonna Max, go nuts that was the Max Holloway fight. They're going to put you know 15,000-plus people in the TD Garden, and they're going to go nuts for him. And on television, it's going to sound amazing. I don't know how it could ever... Um, do the same as Ireland did, but it, it could be close. That Ireland crowd was electric. Interesting note about the Ireland Ireland cards. Mm-hmm. Do you remember uh, in that Dublin card, and this is from watching this week's Ultimate Fire, do you remember that Dublin card? Uh, Paddy Hollihan, in his speech, in his post-fight interview, said, and shout out to my, fr- my friend Ash doing a, doing a time... Up in the big house. You'll oh, be out was soon. was that daily? And we all thought he had a friend that was in prison. You're he talking was, about Ashley Daly? He was talking about Ashley Daly. And Daly. I feel really bad for thinking that he was talking about, like, a friend that was in prison. Up in the big house. Now, he did that on purpose, though. That's, that's tricky. That's interesting. You know what I remember about that show that for some reason no one's talked about is Norman Park saying that he bet on himself to win in the second round, taking it easy in the first round and conveniently finishing uh, in the second round. I am. Um, hmm. 
I attempted to get a comment from the UFC about their policy on fighters betting on themselves and was completely stonewalled. Right. Um, I found that really interesting and I don't know how... So did I. Unfortunately, no one will talk to me about it. Yeah, I don't know how people with more access to the UFC did not follow up on that. But alas, this is the story of MMA media, which we could go on about for hours. Indeed. Um, Let's move on to to a couple of other things before we get out of here. The first other thing is slightly unrelated to UFC, but there is obviously a UFC dimension. Uh, The WWE Network is not doing very well. For those of you who are not... Uh, the WWE Network uh, are not, w- not WWE fans. The WWE Network launched in February and really cut off the WWE's pay-per-view business at the knees. Their pay-per-view yeah. business tanked, and it was pure. It was a complete all-in play. Um, now their numbers over the last quarter have only gone up by thirty-one thousand. They needed to be a million by the end of this year um, and to break even, and one point four million uh, or one point three million, something like that, to get revenue back to where it was um they're still only at seven hundred and thirty one thousand, which is not great but this is the thing is that i mean how did you ever think you're going to get way higher than that seven hundred thirty one thousand people to pay ten dollars a month seems like a significant number so this is yeah so this is the the comparison with fight pass fight pass launched their service slightly earlier um Mm -hmm. and they have, they have done reasonably better than the the UFC than the the WWE Network. WWE Network, when it wasn't going how they planned, basically cut all the money, uh, stopped producing the innovative and original content. They mm. stopped updating the archives even, and the service is kind of mothballed in a lot of ways. And yeah. I think I you've got to think that's part of the reason why the 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 WWE Network is not doing so well. And even the pay per views, the live pay per views, are not as much of a draw to bring in new people. Whereas UFC Fight Pass, you know, they recently they started with some of their library up there. They eventually rolled out, so they had the full Zufa library up there. They've added new libraries like Tough Enough and Invicta in the last couple of months. They've added Invicta live events. They're adding more and more content. They're still producing original content. They're producing uh, new documentaries. They're producing in-studio shows. Mm-hmm. All things that the WWE could be doing, but are really Do we not have bothering. any idea what the UFC Fight Pass numbers are like? I mean, they're a private company. They don't have to release it. That's part of the difference here. But I, have, I, I mean, I have no frame of reference for what the UFC numbers are like. Um, what is Fight Pass doing in terms of numbers? That's a good question. We don't really, I, I, as you say, we don't really know. And I think if the UFC is to be believed, then it's all doing, every time there is an event on Fight Pass, more people subscribe. Right. And yes, people will then uh not renew their subscription because it is a month-to-month subscription service but like dublin i would be sure they had a lot more new subscribers invicta a lot of people new people will have come to the service they're offering new things all the time and things which appeal to different people Oh, they've done a great job it's certainly it probably has way less subscribers i wouldn't be surprised if it was around the the hundred two hundred thousand mark so how are they able to make money that there isn't because of the new because it's it's not as huge a percentage of the revenue as the as it is for the WWE because the WWE has tanked its pay per view revenue, whereas UFC pay per view revenue is tanking for entirely different reasons. Right. They've created what the UFC have done is rather than say 
we believe digital networks are the future therefore we're going to go all in on this new digital network straight away from day one and even though it doesn't work it doesn't have a you know the ufc fight pass had a lot of problems when it started the search function wasn't very good at all the player was very unstable the network wwe network had the same issues but fight pass has fixed theirs while the network has not yeah i mean you you basically laid it out the net the wre network has done very little to improve their product or add to their to their value i mean to me as a fan the wre network i want the older shows i mean that's what i watch most of the time is, is the older stuff um and they're, they're just not they're just not doing that on the wwe they, network they, the same way it's Fight so Pass awkward is. though because they started with so, with some really good stuff like the 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 network had some some stuff that had never been seen before like house shows from madison square garden from the 70s and things like that right. and you think why have, why have they stopped like, there's only I mean, st- there's still only the same 25 of those that there were when it launched and you know fight pass is constantly putting new stuff up uh you mentioned invicta uh, the rumors around the mma campfire is that they're working on other stuff uh we've got I think by this point we've got all the strike force, all the WEC, we've got everything that Zufa is on there, all the affliction, like all the elite XC, I think is on there. Like it's yep. amazing, they have it all. And why why can't WWE do the same? And they have very much improved the stability of the service. They've improved the the yes, player they that they've got, the the tracking mm-hmm. on the player, the tracking on the WWE network is horrendous. It is. It's absolutely terrible. But on Fight Pass, it works. They've also got uh, Chromecast functionality. Mm-hmm. They have much better rollout on platforms than the WWE Network has. Right. I still want an Apple TV app, if you're listening, Uncle Dana. <laughs> Just buy a Chromecast, for the love of God. I'm too cheap. You are too cheap. It's true. Get yourself a Roku stick or something. They're like. $40. I don't think we have Roku in Canada. You definitely do. I could be... We don't have, like, Hulu or anything like that. But yeah, so, like, looking at the original content that the UFC has on uh, on Fight Pass, they have a UFC Fightography, which is a documentary with... They, they put them together as collections, where they have the documentary, and they have maybe a dozen to, a dozen to 15 fights from that fighter. They've got them on Frank Mir, Rashad Evans, and Michael Bisping to date. Like, have. WWE Network has none of that, right? Like, you couldn't yeah. type in Bret Hart and get his best matches all in one spot? No, exactly. They have uh, UFC Main Event, which looks back at particular main events. Uh, generally, more recently, the oldest one is UFC 132, but it has interviews, uh, pre-fight, and some, stu- and some stuff to talk about the fights and build it up. So, you, you know, you, that's okay. Something like Gym Escape, which is, which is mini documentaries with fighters about what they do outside of the cage. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's fairly entertaining. The UFC Fight Motion stuff, which they do put on YouTube. Uh, UFC Now, which is like a talk show thing, which is kind of garbage, but it's there. Um, just various documentary things covering and and uh, shoulder programming from, from the programs. Uh, the Exchange with Megan O'Levy, which is some sort of sit down interviews with people it's often with people not directly fighters so they've got fight interviews with ray longo with andre pedaneris uh hoist gracie still on there that's interesting uh emma Tervadian, matt sarah these are all guys who've done these interviews which maybe you you don't see elsewhere yeah. um you know there's a lot of original content there and along with 
they also have the documentaries that they've and all wwe have done is recycled the same documentary concepts they've had before and broken them up a little bit whereas the ufc has uh the gracie documentary the forrest griffin dvd the benson henderson dvd Mm -hmm. stuff like the this is actually quite interesting. I found out five past the Britain's Ultimate Fighter documentary, which is a 2006 documentary um, about Michael Bisping, which was included as a second disc on the UFC 66 DVD only in the UK. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of this. That's interesting. It's actually it's a fairly interesting documentary, but worth checking out. So that's that's on Fight Pass. That's a, a slightly obscure thing that they've added. What they haven't gotten here is the uh tito and chuck liddell documentary have you ever seen that bad blood yeah 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 it's really good that is really good they should really put that on here they also don't have the dana white trt's boxing match documentary which is one of my favorites oh man that is a beauty it's a wonderful piece of television it's something else if you've not seen that go check it out find a torrent or something i mean we shouldn't be advertising torrenties (laughs) but find a way it's on youtube Illegally, it's amazing but... it's amazing it's just it's so one-sided and ridiculous and hilarious you've got to see it it's probably on youtube you're right you have to go see it it's amazing before we get out of here let's talk a little bit about cage warriors we like spots like cage warriors because they are probably our favorite promotion at this point uh they've got a big event this weekend and then a double main card event on the 15th of november this weekend is the trilogy fight between Stevie Ray and Kurt Warburton. We've talked before about how we're not entirely thrilled about this trilogy fight, but it will be a good fight regardless. Their back and forth on social media has been fantastic. I mean, you can just go through and read their stuff, and it's made me more excited for the fight. Before, yeah, we both talked about how, you know, maybe they rushed this trilogy fight a little too soon. I mean, they could have waited a bit. There's other contenders who are pretty close to, to title shot, but... Um, you know their back and forth has been fantastic and hilarious so yeah i can't wait for that so also some great fights to watch out for on the prelims brett caswell and martin lasota is going to be a great fight jimmy wallhead is on that card matt inman um but the alex enland is on that fight as well which i believe is the other title fight on that card uh for the vacant featherweight title featherweight am i right mm, sure fun. yeah i am i'm right Featherweight yes, title. you are right. And the Cage Warriors 74 from London, which is a double main uh, double main card with two title fights. Nicholas Dolby and Mohsen Bahari is going to be a great fight for the so middleweight wait, title. The, the Featherweight World title bout is on the undercard? I believe it's on the or main it's a card. Separate, separate uh, main card. I, or they may just be in the wrong order. Let me have a look and see. If I, I am on the Cage Warriors website, and it's got Alex Enlin versus Nad Naramani as the CWFC featherweight world title bout as the main event of part one i see you see what i'm talking about so it appears to be that it appears that they're trying to push all their cards as kind of two main cards okay i don't like that idea but sure and spread it rather than having prelims building up to a main event they're having two uh events kind of two main cards or two split up halves of an event i guess but are we not... I mean, are you not telling me that the featherweight title is not important if you're doing this? No, because it's headlining part one. It's. I mean, it's the same thing the UFC does, though, with their undercards. They put Dominic Cruz versus Mizuguchi. To be fair, though, if that, if that fight is five rounds, that does tell you quite a lot as well. Yeah. But you're still putting it on part one, and obviously the main event 
and co-main event are considered the most important. Yes, I wouldn't. I mean, if we're looking at these as two separate events, which they aren't, then I guess if you're looking at them as two separate events, then fine. But I mean, they're taking place at the same place. Yeah. But I, I think it's it's an interesting concept for sure, and it's a different way of structuring shows. I think you're right. I think there's something to be said for the MMA fan, fan mindset of prelims leading up to main events. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm willing to give it a chance. And and fight Cage Warriors, this is the thing with Cage Warriors, is that even if you haven't heard of the fighters, they do a fantastic job of matching them up. You always get your you know proverbial money's worth not that we pay to watch these cards Not that but... anyone pays to watch it at this point pretty much it's, right uh... and you know they upload the cards to, to youtube almost right after like they've made their product very accessible for fans it's very fan friendly in that sense it's available on it's live on tv on premier sports in the uk satanta in ireland uh it's the on the fight network it's on various other channels but it's MMA also junkie. it's on mma junkie for free uh the only country i believe it's not the only place i believe it's not free online is scandinavia but it's going to be free on uh ww on dailymail.co.uk as part of their new deal with the daily mail newspaper that's for the rest of the world apart from usa canada and scandinavia and france nice so you know getting it out there to even more fans it's huge for sure and the event from london has nicholas dalby and mosa as mentioned uh pani kianza and agnizia nijewitz let's go with that Sure. For the first ever women's bantamweight title, Joseph Duffy's on that card. Of course, the guy, the only guy to beat Conor McGregor, um, Tom Breeze, Phil Molepeter. We're we are Honey Badger fans on this podcast. Absolutely, we should get him on one time. Yeah, we definitely. Can we should. try? Can we try and do that someday? Why not? Why not? Uh, Babola, we don't have enough on guests. Card, John McGuire, Tim Wilde, lots of really interesting fighters on that card. Can we and also again, give a? Sh- oh, go ahead. It's free. Was what I was Absolutely. Say. Uh, the other thing I'm going to say is that this weekend, big shout out to one of our favorite promoters, Shannon Knapp. Invict FC9 is taking place. Pretty good card. Not their, their best card ever, but but a pretty good outing. I think, yeah, it, obviously we, Invicta have had their issues with uh, having talent raided by the UFC. Um, a consensual raid, but a raid nonetheless. <laughs> um, and it does mean that their talent depth isn't perhaps where it was uh, a year or so ago but they just need to build up more people and you know they've got caitlin young on this card who they're trying to build up uh, mizuku inui who has a great record if me even you've not heard of her she's only 20 years old but she's been fighting for four years um she fought ayaka hamasaki in japan she has wins over beck rawlings uh, and her only other invicta appearance so she's certainly got a lot to offer caitlin young i think is a she's seven and eight but they're trying to build up her story and, and show a little bit of her she did uh she fought in elite xc so she's got a little bit of a name but she certainly doesn't have the best record recently mm-hmm. um jody escabel is another one on that main card but yeah the barb honcheck is the, the the main fighter on this card uh her title fight the fight she won against vanessa porter was okay but her title fight against leslie smith was great if you haven't seen that go check it out on fight pass yeah yeah, so a little bit of shout out for some stuff that you maybe haven't thought of, and some non UFC fights this weekend. So you've got Cage Warriors, you've got fight, you've got Invicta. There's certainly lots to be getting your teeth into. Uh, Sean, is there, is there anything of yours that you've written recently that we should check out that we haven't mentioned already before we get out of here? Um, I talked to Mitch Gagnon last week about his upcoming fight with Hennem Burrell. 
Uh, oh, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> that's happening and should be interesting. Um, I did a, a preview for this Invicta card, which should be up on Fightlands today, maybe? Maybe tomorrow? Um, and that's that's about it right now. I've just been busy with my my newspaper business. So, um, yeah, what about you? short a little bit there, Sean, because you actually... Uh... An intra- a, a wonderful piece earlier today about the shootings in Toronto and speaking to a, a councilwoman in Ottawa, sorry, not Toronto. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So and, tell, uh, tell us where we can find that. Yeah, I will. Uh, well, I, I tweeted it out, so that's the best place to get it. Um, so if you just go through my Twitter feed, it's basically the, it says that I talked to a uh, conservative MP about the Ottawa shootings. Um, and yeah, that's the best place to get it, I say. For sure. Um, I, I've written a couple of things over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the recent one being about Michael Imperato. I also wrote an interesting piece uh, that I quite enjoyed because um, we've talked before about how World Series of Fighting hate me because I asked them an uncomfortable question about <laughs> fighter pay on a, on a conference call and now they won't say with their press releases. Um, so I wrote a piece just to make sure they definitely hate me and they'll never talk to me again mm-hmm. um, saying kind of rubbishing their ideas that their card is going to be bigger than bellator and ufc and that they're going to expand to brazil next year um and that they should really just concentrate on survival and being able to pay their fighters well um, i bet that i bet they're gonna love that um remind me to tell you who it was when i got the air but somebody previously involved with world series of fighting told me it was the best piece they'd read all year um, wow. because they were previously involved in the World Series of Fighting. Yeah. And I'll tell you who that is off the air. Um, but yeah, do check that out. Check me out on Twitter, at CalmLeslieMMA and at CLeslie92 for all my other crap. Um, if you're interested at all in gaming and esports, go to gamers.net forward slash Hearthstone is where you can find all my stuff on that. And some interesting stories the last couple of weeks, one particularly about a uh, player being unable to take money, prize money out of China that was handed to him in a briefcase um as well as the podcast that i do over there called the hearth center which uh very excitingly is going to be going live from next week uh Excellent. as a, as a video as a a web show kind of like sports center but kind of discussion and news show with like a news ticker along the bottom and stuff i'm very excited about that and yeah, so it's going congratulations. to be, be going from a pre-recorded podcast to a, a live uh webcast so that should be interesting um if you're at all interested in that but anyway, uh, Sean, give us your Twitter and where people can find you and things like that. Yeah, just follow me on Twitter, basically. Uh, Sean, S-H-A-W-N underscore W underscore Smith. Um, Fightlands, where I write my combat sports content for the most case. Uh, a little bit for top of main news here and there, but uh, definitely check out Fightland. And of course, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, but the Grapple Talk podcast is brought to you, as always, by MMASucker.com, the home of where I'll write all of my MMA stuff. So make sure you check that out on MMASucker.com. And thank you once again to Jeremy and MMA Sucker for giving us the opportunity and the platform for the Grapple Talk podcast. We will be back uh, soon, <laughs> TM. Hopefully soon. next week. Hopefully next week, or maybe the week after, who knows. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But we'll have lots... Uh, I, sorry, I, I just... I, I brought up my World Series of Fighting story and the picture I've used, I didn't realize there was an epic photo bomb in the background of it and I just spotted it and it's really, it made me laugh. Sorry, that put me off slightly. Um, we'll be back in 10 weeks to come. Thank you for listening to the Grapple Dot Podcast. From myself and from Sean, we will speak to you again. Until then, my friends, good night.